Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fightful Boxing Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Carlos Toro. But this time, this week, we have a very special guest. We tried to get him on last week. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it to do a show to preview Anthony Joshua versus Andrew Reese, and I did it already an hour-long podcast about it. But let's talk about more Anthony Joshua versus Andrew Reese. This time, joined by my special guest co-host, Marquise Johns. Marquise, how are you doing? First time on the show. Thanks for having me on, Carlos. Thanks for having me on. And by the way, yeah, just waking up from that uh, Anthony Joshua, Andy Louise fight this past weekend. Boy, that was some fun stuff, wasn't it? I mean, world-class boxing, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, for those, you've listened to me listen for um, talk for 40 minutes about about that fight alone. And I said, listen, I, I if Joshua was to win this fight, I, I said from, for months, you know, Joshua just needed to, to use the jab and it may not have been a, an exciting fight, but at the fight he needed to fight and he, he wins. So again, you, you, they've already listened to me, but now I'm curious about your thoughts uh, on the fight. Well, my problem with the fight, more than anything else, I mean, Joshua was doing what he's, that was his game plan, believe it or not, as you know, Carlos, in the first fight, was the jab and box around him and make sure that Luis doesn't get inside. That was actually what happened the first go-round, but, like, the first go-round, Luis got inside and knocked him out. This go-round, he, he, that didn't happen. I mean, granted, it helped that Luis was 283 pounds coming in and may have been 300 walking into the ring. And what made it even worse was that he had Ruiz had no option because he couldn't get he couldn't get inside. And that was come kind of, that was kind of his whole thing at the, his whole plan the entire time was pretty much playing that one lucky punch again. We, he's even admitted as much after the fight, not going to happen. And Joshua proceeded to outbox him for twelve rounds. I'm more impressed with the fact that they this, these judges that judged this fight actually gave Ruiz on some of these cards two rounds. Like that you can kind of debate that he kind of got skunked actually. Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. I gave Ruiz two rounds also. I gave him the ninth and the tenth, but he he was more aggressive in those rounds. But listen, yeah. I said it back then. Look, if you watch just one round of that fight, you saw the whole fight. It was yeah. it was just it was just the same round over and over again. And I understand why people are saying like, oh, this is just like a Mayweather fight. I you know I'm like you know to extent you know I kind of agree because. It was just Joshua being, um, you know, uh, he gave a masterful technical performance against Andy Ruiz. So let's be, he, he, he even he admitted he, he wasn't prepared. He was fat. He partied too hard. And it just, like, it is what it is. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, we, we, we kind of got the news. Uh, I looked, was 24 hours as of this recording, maybe not even 24 hours, that the WBO has ordered Anthony Joshua to fight mandatory challenger Alexander Usyk, and they had until early January to negotiate a deal, I believe January 10, and then they got to fight uh, by June, if I'm not mistaken. It's uh-huh. now kind of throwing a whole monkey wrench into this whole situation because now you have the IBF who's been who's had their mandatory challenger since... October 2018 with Kurapulev. Uh, so now it's, you know, Josh, will he fight Kurapulev? Will he fight, uh, you know, Alexander Usyk ne- next? 
And I'm just kind of, it's very, it's a very, very bizarre situation given how at the start of the year, we were all just hoping, hey, we're going to get Joshua Wather is definitely going to happen. And now we, we kind of get this, this schedule for 2020 for the heavyweight champs and just, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird tactic by the WBO to step in on this. I guess they all want a piece of Joshua now. My thing with is that they've already set up the establish that they wanted to place uh, Kubat Pulov. And if I'm Joshua and you see these up, uh, the, your options are Alexander Usyk at the, with the WBO or Kubat Pulov, who will be 39 going on 500 next year in, in that mandatory with the IBF, you're taking the Pulov fight, right? I mean, with the WBO and Usyk, that's an actual boxing match. And it's, it's, a, it's a, personally, Carl, it's a tougher matchup for him. Because he has actually boxed. And you can just, with, with Pulev, you can, we, we know what Pulev's going to do. It's going to be the same scenario that we saw in this Luis Joshua fight. It's going to be the same scenario. And so if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking either, either you pay the WBO whatever random sanction fee they need. Because let's be honest, Carlos, m- money makes the world go around with some of this stuff. And oh, especially, yeah. with these, especially with these sanctioned bodies and random uh, championships in or out of recess and diamond belts and other shenanigans. If 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 they if they give him the step aside money to to stall the Usyk fight, because I think Usyk does want to face Chisora, I think that wants to happen at some point next year too. That that way it gives him something to do as well. That way they stall that for either the back end of 2020, as opposed to trying to make this happen and essentially make Joshua drop the belt, and then more than likely it'll be Usyk, will be Joseph Parker. I'm thinking the number three contender still. Uh, for the- yeah, yeah. So uh. funny, funny you mentioned that. So. I kind of have like this kind of weird idea. So like if I'm Hedy Hearn, uh-huh. I tell Anthony Joshua, drop the WBO right now. Here's why. And hear me out. Because uh-huh. as you mentioned, you know, they've been planning for Kubrat Pulev. And let's be honest, Pulev is an easier fight on paper than Alexander Usyk. I think we both yes. can agree on that. So because it, you drop the WBO title and you essentially guarantee no matter what happens with Joshua Pulev, you're going to have a piece of the heavyweight title in matchroom because joseph parker is still on that um multi-fight deal with matchroom even though okay. he's had like a million different reasons for fights being canceled spider bugs spider bites uh, are amazing spider bites it's <laughs> a crazy but here's the thing if you drop the wbo title you the, the general ruling is have the two highest ranked available contenders and you go down the current list it's it's Usyk, then jo- then Tyson Fury, but he's fighting Wilder. Then it's uh-huh. Joshua, but Joshua can't fight himself as much as Eddie Hearn would love to see, would love to pit a, a Joshua versus Joshua fight. Joshua and in a mirror. Then, yeah, <laughs> Joshua in a mirror. Yeah, and then afterwards, then you have Joseph Parker. So you can still make Kura Pulev versus Anthony Joshua for the WBA and IBF. And then you essentially create a... A fantastic uh, UK pay-per-view that's going to sell maybe 20,000, 30,000. I don't know. Maybe you can you can sell at the Copper Box Arena right now. You put Joseph Parker versus Alexander Usyk for the WBO title. And then you can just have Joshua, if he beats Bullet, face the winner of Usyk versus Parker. I mean, let's be honest. You know, the plan, when, he, when Eddie Hearn first signed... Usyk. He knew at some point it's going to be Joshua for Usyk. So why not milk it for as much as you can? And I'm not a fan of marinating, but I think this is one case where it kind of makes financial sense because with the scenario, you essentially guaranteed yourself three main event fights that's going to do gangbusters no matter where you put it. And you, and no matter what happens, you still essentially ensure that you at least have one heavyweight on your roster that has a uh, world title, whether it be the IBF, WBA, or the WBO. That too, and I think with Hedy Hearn and Matchroom, it's it's funny that they always say this because I, you know, you know Carl's good boxing politics is that it's all about what you have and as much as you can keep away from the other, and especially with these belts, I believe that's going to happen. That scenario you just laid out, mainly because I I think the IBF. So if, if there's one belt that's guaranteed to be stripped from anybody, it's going to be the IBF belt from anything that they do. They, they, they strip oh, Canelo. Yeah. If, 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 the Golden, if, if Golden Goose and Canelo can get stripped and he's the moneymaker in boxing, then Joshua has no shot. So they'll, they'll, they'll probably slug along and deal with him facing Pulev and then go from there after, after Pulev's out the way, either 
at some point, maybe the WBA will rectify their heavyweight division. We'll we'll see if Trevor Bryant may is still that's uh, never active. gonna happen. Yeah, no, he'll probably retire again at this point. I'm, I'm I totally forgot that he was still actually a belt holder at the WBA level until no, about three, you, three hours. You know ago. what's amazing? I actually was looking this up the other day, right before the um. Right before I went on the air to for the Joshua Ruiz post show, I actually looked this up because I knew someone in the chat was probably going to ask about it, and ultimately did. Some, you know, Trevor Bryan has held the interim title since August 2018. He hasn't fought. He beat BJ <laughs> Flores of all people to win it, and he hasn't fought since. Oh, so a one retired guy beat a really retired guy for a belt that hasn't been active since. That's good to know. Oh, man. It's, it's Yeah, so at some point, that may come around. I highly doubt it at this point. No, it but, won't. And especially when they can't even get uh, Mahmoud Char versus Trevor Bryan going, which is even funnier because that's even Char worse. has held the secondary title since November 2017. He hasn't fought since. Okay, so this, this is... This is this is this is why Carlos Day made mention uh, under the zone broadcast and made an emphasis on this to remind you that the the, the the IBO belt was on the line because this WBA belt is really that inactive. You know what? Wow. It's funny. Oh my god! Funny enough, I actually had the IBO official Twitter go on uh, go on blast uh, put, uh, when I said like uh, Joshua Rizzi for the WBA, IBF, and WA, and he said, "Well, also for the IBO." Um, excuse me. Um, actually. <laughs> Like, hello, hello, Bueller. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, look, and I don't, and I don't mean to disrespect the IBO, but it, no one treats it as like the uh, one of the major belts. There's like a select few people that I know that do. Uh, one of them, uh, I think, is Stephen Fulton. Who's yeah, the outside IBO. of Cool Boy Steph, I know no one. <laughs> yeah, outside of Cool Boy Steph, and and uh, give credit to Cool Boy Steph to Stephen Fulton because he he wears that IBO title proudly like a boss like you know and you know what listen i i'm also always been of the mindset the man makes the belt and he is he's the only one that has been able to like really treat the ibo title like like it's an actual thing so i you know what the rest of the boxing world may not treat him as a legit world champion but you know what kudos to him for actually treating the ibo as a title you know what i would treat that more I would treat that heavyweight title more than the WBA regular and interim titles. Yeah, the, the uh, WBA uh, gold, silver, interim, possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we uh, diamonds. I don't know. I'm surprised we. I'm surprised we haven't gotten the the Pokemon uh, name <laughs> a name for for a title because you still got uh, Sapphire, Ruby, Crystal, Pearl. Yeah, I'm what? surprised no, there's a, no secret. There's a Sapphire, wasn't there? There was a Pearl Belt, yeah. The American Billy Deep fight was up for a Pearl Belt, if memory serves me well, wasn't it? Because the yeah. diamond was off the line. <laughs> Yeah, that was for the that was for the pearl belt. And, oh my god, I'm 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 still you know when when I <laughs> kind of look at like my list of what's gonna be like for boxing awards and stuff, I still put that Amir Khan fight, uh, Amir Khan show, uh, event as like the worst show of 29, uh, 2019. You know what? I, I I didn't see all of it because I only saw the main event of that, and it was ridiculous just for the the atmosphere of it. I am still biased to the PBC event of uh, Brandon Figueroa versus uh, Javier Chacon because Chacon came in in sneakers that I have at the house here with the, the, the casual dress Adidas. And <laughs> you don't box in those. And he went into the main event to get boxed out for four rounds. And I was like, all right. <laughs> this is one of those deals. You know, that, that to me is still my unpersonal favorite. There, there's, there's a list of other bad fights as well, too. But that, that, that one just resonates still. <laughs> Oh man, it I don't I don't invite you to watch that Amir Khan undercard. It it has legitimate I'd say two or three of those fights rank in my top ten worst fights of twenty nineteen. That's how bad it was. It's oh like, man. It was that bad, but is, yeah, is it worth I, any of these uh, Frank Warren shows? Have you, have you seen this year? Because I, I, I can I, the last Frank Warren event that was on, I think, literally like two weeks ago, had the guy in the main event wearing a bumblebee trunks. I mean, it's really tough to go around trying to sell that to anybody too <laughs> actually any any frank warren card this year is pretty much up there with that now that i think about it <laughs> oh man but i mean speaking of you know disappointment you know look andrew ruiz has done a you know like it is what it is guy came in like, like a fat 
uh, lazy slump and you know he probably and he'll say the exact same thing so and i'm kind of now wondering like what what's there because i think because he look he's not, he's fighting under the pbc umbrella he's going to fight for he's probably going to get a shot at the wbc heavyweight title maybe even as early as maybe second half of 2020 whoever comes out on top between wilder and fury so i'm kind of yeah. now just fantasy matchmaking what's gonna be next for andy ruiz because did pbc has got a few solid heavyweights but the problem is a lot of those guys on a lot of those heavyweights they're pbc is grooming them they're trying to prep them up for a world title fight like the perfect fight for me just kind of the perfect like good fight heavyweights you know hog hogs fest just put Andy Ruiz up there with Adam Kanaski. I think that'd be a really good fight. But because they're grooming Kanaski to eventually be challenged for a heavyweight title, I don't know if PBC wants to make that. I don't think PBC will make it with with Kanaski. I'm I'm thinking they'll probably give him. If I had to guess, if there's some sort of gatekeeper along those lines to give him, you know, some sort of variation of a a, a rebound fight for him. I'm going with a. My personal favorite, uh, Charles Martin. I'm always, I'm always biased to LeBron James of boxing. That's a good. That's that's, that's my pick. That's my pick only because of the the guys you mentioned, like like Konoski, I don't think they're going to give him to, or FA Ajagbe. I think they're still grooming him. So those are the big. That guys bring Sanchez as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to give him any of those guys to keep up with. So I really think. Yeah, I, I can see him facing Charles Martin sometime in 2020 to get back on get back on track. Because you know what's funny about Andy Luiz that that's always intriguing that people have written off for some reason because he came in overweight and, and this showing was not very good. Don't get me wrong, Carlos. But he only has two losses. And these two losses, as you know, one was against Joseph Parker a while back, which arguably he won that fight. And this one previously to Luis. So it's not like this guy's at the end of the road or this is this is going to be the last we'll see of Andy Luiz. I mean, no. He, 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 but the way you, if you read social or anything after this fight, like the last three days, I mean, I've, I've gotten, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've heard every fat joke at this point under the sun. I'm, I don't, I don't think there's anything left. I mean, I mean, there was Candy Louise last fight around. I think Frank Warren busted out with Burger King this go around. I mean, pretty clever. But I mean, as you may, you know, may have guessed, Andy's going to get in better shape. He'll be, be he'll be back to back to normal at this point. He'll be ready to fight again. That's why he's still, believe it or not, I know with boxer, you give or take, you know, rankings and lists. I'm not a big rankings and list guy. I mean, I think lists are for groceries. But <laughs> the top, the top ten uh, in heavyweights, Luis is still in the top five despite this loss. I mean, granted, that's because I think Dillian White's on some of these lists, and uh, you can do what you want with that too. But and Luis Ortiz after his fight's still on this list on some people. So. He, he, I mean, it's not that it's not because there's not enough heavyweights. It's because these guys just at some point just really need to fight. The big issue with Luis losing, honestly, Carlson, is the reason that everyone's giving so much scorn for this is that we we come back to the whole three kings thing again with the heavyweights. It's Luis, Joshua, Wilder, and we're back to that again. And we're hoping at some point that these guys will eventually fight each other. We know Wilder and Fury are going to fight each other next Feb next February. I mean, we're still waiting on the actual official on that. But that, that, but outside of that, we just don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll get Wilder Joshua after these mandatories and Pulev and Josh. You know that whole that that once that whole thing settles out. But outside of that, it, it makes it hard for all the heavyweights to unify because of these mandatories. At some point, either there's going to be enough. There has to be more step aside money for these guys to, to push to push all this out the way. That way, we can just crown one heavyweight or have some sort of pseudo. I hate to say round robin tournament because heavyweights don't do tournaments. Ask Tyson in the eighties that 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 ship has sailed. <laughs> to make to just to, just to say who's a clear cut number one because you can debate who, who's number one at this point. I mean, you can say it's Fury, you can say it's Wilder, you can say it's Joshua again because he has his belt, he has the belts. But we won't know until these guys really face each other, and hopefully, hopefully in twenty twenty, Carlos, we'll get some of these answers. I'm I'm just asking at least one of them. Yeah, I've been working Wilder Fury, so I, I'm okay with that. And if we can get Joshua Usyk in 2020, you know what? I'm okay with not having Joshua Wilder in 2020 because, I mean, I don't expect I, I don't expect Wilder and Joshua to fight next year, to be perfectly honest with you, because they, the, no. because of the mandatories. And, and hell, you know, they've already got a mandatory for Wilder in 2021 with Dylan White, so... I don't foresee that fight happening. Joshua Wilder being uh, taking place until summer, late summer 2021. That's how far I think this could hold over. And if both guys keep fighting, both guys keep winning, it'll still have the same, you know, level of intrigue. This, yeah, intrigue, desire from the from the because it's it's still gonna be 
the the top two heavyweights in the world fighting against each other. And that's what we all that's all we, we all come to see is this, 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 this the, we keep hearing it all year round. And, and it's probably been my favorite presser of the year. I, I think it's yours, too, probably up when uh, Derek Chisora pretty much ambushed a <laughs> world boxing super series presser. It asked, "Is like, hey, we're here to see the heavyweights. I want to be in the main event. We're, we, we came, they came to see me, the heavyweights, not not you guys, the heavyweights. And, and, and that's the one <laughs> that and where's the money, Eddie? But <laughs> this is one of my favorite things from this year. So once once that actually happens with these guys actually setting up, it, it's going to be intriguing. I really am looking forward to it. I, I know Wilder Fury is a big deal. They're they're going to hype it up a little more after the holidays are over. But it, once that sells, because was the very underlying thing that was kind of disturbing on my part and fury while volume was a, was a good example of where he couldn't sell tickets actually but fury not not but but wilder ortiz did exactly set the world on fire either you could see the drapes on the television scene on, on the pay-per-view granted it was a pay-per-view and the tickets for that was, was a little, little ridiculous too but if they combine forces if they can, can make the money reasonable for all sides involved i know i'm asking for way too much in boxing you know agreements and sides to come together and both sides of the street to work on something i do think this will be the event that will kick off everything else for the heavyweights in 2020 and everything else down the line like i mean there's going to be a, there's, a, there's a bunch of good fights down the line as well anyway even in the beginning of the year like the ones like on espn like i think you you seen this card as well dia that's that's Joe Smith. That's Smith. Joe Smith Jr. Michael uh, Hart. Just Jesse Hollywood Hart cards. Pretty solid so far. I'm looking forward to that. That's in early January. But like, once the, the heavyweight fight in February kicks off, that that's pretty much the beginning of the boxing season for everybody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I agree. And look, I think at the end of the day, I think we're gonna see within the next two years, we're gonna get most, if not all, of the answers regarding the heavyweight division. I'm just really excited, and and I'm yeah. just hoping that that we don't ha- have to see another Saudi Arabia show for boxing because, oh, my God, man. It's, you know, my thing about the whole Saudi Arabia issue is that, for me, it's it doesn't surprise me because, we all, as we all know, boxing has always been governed by who has the most money. And yes. right now... Whoever who, who the people who have the most money are the Saudis is because and they're they're spending it all on these major events, boxing, WWE, uh, Formula One. It's they're spending money up the wazoo, yeah. and and it's kind of weird because like now it's one thing that a lot of people were kind of you know challenging the media or I guess maybe not challenging the media but they were critiquing the media at the very least is either the decision to kind of to either go to Saudi Arabia or not just completely lambash the Saudi government or matchroom or the zone for for and going there and it's kind of it's a very weird kind of thing so real thing for for us media members who you know didn't go to Saudi or you know or or in this position where you know we kind of see a lot of people just kind of talk trash about just boxing in general for for taking this especially with all that's going on and i mean i'm just curious what what's kind of the role that we play because i think there is a point in us trying to critique matchroom and the zone all the parties involved for getting saudi arabia i mean look they they I said this in the past. They're going to Saudi Arabia just for money reasons. They don't care. It's not because they, uh, Saudi Arabia cares about the growth of the sport because they're not – because Saudi Arabia isn't going to suddenly become a superpower in boxing or in wrestling or in Formula yeah. One or whatever or, or in anything. It's all – Yeah, not at all. No, it's – I think, you know, Saudi Arabia is, as one person coined it, they're sports washing the horrible, horrible, disgusting past – that they've had in you know in some regards the present it is it, it's a it's a bizarre you know it's a bizarre western world eastern civilization thing where it's like we have all, we, we're sending all the, all the stuff down there like these special events and it's clearly because they're throwing way too much money at it and i get that in terms of a of a, of a promotional standpoint and i think even Hearn mentioned like before the fights even started was like hey uh we, we had a setup thing for cardiff and but the money in saudi arabia was just too good and, but he didn't say it in those words he's you know he, he was kind of litigious about it, like when 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 Hearn doesn't want to speak off the cup, he turns very litigious in his speaking. It's kind of intriguing to me. But I've, the one thing with a lot of these cards, and I know the, I know the zone was making a big deal about it because they wanted the fight to come back in the States. I was still thinking, honestly, Carlos, had they had the, the rematch on Luis's terms back in Mexico, we would have had the same fight that Josh was going to throw at us. I'm, I'm convinced. If, if 
if Louise was partying hard in L.A., he was going to party in Mexico or in New York or wherever the fight was going to be in the States. I mean, I mean granted, we're, I know we're, we're, we're American biased and we want to fight in America because that's, you know, we're Americans. And right. it's, a, it's always a time zone thing. I get that because I know anyone in the U.K. who watches these fights will tell you they, they get tired of waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday to watch these things. I understand. But even if it wasn't in Britain, like the fact that it was, well, it wasn't in Britain because some, some questionable decisions happened beforehand, which kind of kind of soured the whole idea of it. Because I really do think, uh, Carlos, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm conspiracy fearing this because for some things to me, some things just don't add up. Where it's like I keep hearing the mo- I keep hearing about the money that was sent them for for the Saudi Arabia Saifi. I think it was like I think boxing scene said forty million, give or take. I mean numbers in boxing, you know, they they're 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 always they're always made for an agenda. You can shape them or shift them, mold them to what you want them to be. My thing is if that number is even half true, it's still twenty million. That's still a lot of money for boxing in twenty nineteen. So and and grant the crowd that was there for that fight uh, up and down. Uh, with the exception of the Pavek and Hunter fight, which I thought was intriguing, it was pretty much under hands, which is the kind of the standard practice for most of these Saudi Arabia events, not even just uh, boxing that they had there, like for even their shows or even an MTK Global show they had earlier this year, or that Amir Khan show that was earlier this year as well also. But also with Formula One or even with the one event I saw recently, I want to say it was the Formula One show you mentioned where it's like, they're just there just to be there. Even like with wrestling where it's like WWE is like, I mean, there's no real like excitement for it. Like, I don't know if it's just a, it's just a proud to be there thing. I don't know if it's, you're not allowed to cheer thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just unknown to the unknown world, but it's just a weird, it's just a weird atmosphere for it. You know, it reminds me so much Carlos of every time I see a boxing card over in that, that place in Monte Carlo with the fancy casino that, that, that was like right. from, from the, from the James Bond movies from Casino Royale. It's like, it's, it's like watching a yeah, fight there. The- it's like, it's the, the annual chandelier. show there. Yeah, it's the, it's the chandelier kind of thing where it's like, it's just bizarrely eerily quiet and there's like no, there's like no, there's no crowd reaction to it, which to me for, for boxing, it's always rough when there's no one like making any noise for it. It's for me, that's any rate. That's it. For me, that's any sport. Granted, to give you an idea, girls, because I know I live here in Tampa. I, 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 the Rays Stadium in Tropicana Field is notorious for not having A, people there, and B, people who care. And whenever you are there, you can pretty much hear yourself cough during the third inning, like from the bullpen. So it's, it, it's, for me, it's tough to see that on television, knowing I can just go anywhere locally here and get the same unreaction anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's weird it's and I'm just, it's weird know, yeah it, it, it's weird to sort of kind of make sense of it all aside from boxing and money governs everything and it's yeah. you know what it's and it's weird because in some ways boxing has improved in the sense that the sport is no longer run by the mob um although i don't know if you know definition of mob nowadays could be entirely different if you ask certain people uh, waving the pom-poms for the for a certain group or a certain promotion or a certain network but it's weird and i, I don't know it's funny you mentioned the um uh, that matchroom show in, Mo- in monte carlo because i do like it's funny because like i like the atmosphere but yeah i do also find it very very weird that we have um that there's like it almost like as if no one is there like you yeah. get more excitement from like half-filled club shows. Yeah, it's it's a weird like I don't know if it's like a, like a weird like gym sparring session where you like you just the only thing missing is like the the heavy bag sound in the background and like you know like the trainers and coaches yelling stuff. Well, I mean you get that through the you, you can hear that through the broadcast on some of these shows, but it's it's, 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 that, it's that weird bizarre ambient feeling where it's like wow is anyone at this thing? And it's funny you mentioned mob because maybe maybe because boxing socials is evolved into this weird cult mentality with like you know favoring promotional outlets for whatever reason i don't i, I maybe carl's maybe because maybe because me and you report on this stuff for a living maybe i just i just don't understand like the whole like rooting for like one promotion over another to succeed or fail because if say for example one fails then there's one less outlet for boxing and then we're stuck with you no know, being being with this whole mob that, that's that whole mob rule for things like all right so we have to listen to what this one promotion does as opposed to every other option that's out there i don't i will never understand that but that and i always realize over time where it's like there's always gonna be a there's always gonna be a promotion on the rise there's always gonna be a promotion that's gonna be uh, either coming up or going down there's just too much there's, there's too much boxing in the states just as a from from a low from a lower level aspect for it to be like well here's your options it's not like you know the credit card where it's like you know visa or mastercard where it's like well 
I use American Express, <laughs> but we don't take that here. It's not like it's not, it's not going to be anything like that in boxing ever anytime soon. So to me, to me, it's just weird. I really is. Yeah, it's you know it, it what it is, and listen, and yeah. I get plenty of people either critiquing for my for whenever even I you mentioned about like rooting one uh, one side to fail. Like I get enough of like people that like get on my case for either uh, talking good or bad about one specific. And it's like I talk about I talk good and bad for for all sides. I like yeah. I you know I remember last month I went on this like really really long tirade about the zone pretty much um, copyright striking me for for even attempting to do a post show Canelo podcast and then at the same and you know and then you know came the whole like nearly two hour long wait to see Canelo Kovalev after the co-main event and and even then you know I criticized. It. But at the same time, it was not that I'm rooting for them to fail. And I think that's something a lot of people don't understand them about. They think that, like, all media, and, and I know there are some media who, like, are affiliated with certain sides, but not yeah. all media are, are like that. And I think that's something people don't quite understand yet. I mean, look, if people, if you want to wave your pom-poms and you want to be team top rank or team PBC or team matchroom, that's fine. Yeah, but, that's, you know, yeah. but don't, but, but don't assume every media's got their own agenda because listen, I, I like this I like the zone. I like PPC. I like top break. I like all kinds of boxing. Hell, I I'll stay up and watch, you know, uh Thai boxing. I'll go yeah, up and I, watch one hand men at ten at like four in the morning. That doesn't yeah, mean that fan. like I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and, and say, you know, and secretly wish death upon PBC. And I think that's something people, you know, automatically you know, don't think about when you see uh, certain members of the media. Yeah, and, and I think it's because they see that these guys are, are are either on the networks for these these networks. They think they're like either either pay the old school like, hey, they're on this network, therefore they must be part of the organization. Or just because like it's ESPN, you see you see you see the same guys on ESPN, you, you think like, oh well, they're just clearly just you know cheerleading for top rank and nothing else. Where it's like. Not all media. That's that's what family trying to figure out. Carlos in twenty nineteen was like, where's all where's all this random boxing payola media money coming from? Like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen one red cent yet. So, and it, did it all come from like a joke tweet <laughs> from raging uh, from raging babe uh, on Twitter? Was like, oh look at all this like I'm getting. It's like it was like half joke tweet, and everybody kind of it was like. A lot of people started to copy paste the tweet like as a joke and also to sort of because they know they're going to get a reaction out of like the anti-zone people. And it's just a crazy thing. Like, look, I get it. There are some media members who, you know, who are more aligned with one side, whether it's because out of personal preference or because of the company that they work for. But that doesn't mean that like. Every media member is like that. You look know, a funny story, and I, you know, and this is not, and I'm not revealing like top secret info at Fife. I'm not uh, from Fife, but because I'm yeah. sure, because uh, Sean Ross Sapp has also talked about this in the past. But the Zone tried to buy Fightful in the past. They tried, and oh, wow. they and 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 Sean Ross Sapp, no, we're not, we're not, you know, the, he rejected the Zones, and you know, and even if they did, look. Just, I still would have been operating under the same, uh, uh, under the same, you know, nice. journalistic method, under the same people. You know, it's weird because like they they look at one side and saying, oh, they, obviously you must be anti this other side because you're this one side. Remember when like at the start when they had um, uh, I forgot who, who were the two guys that were like the were nearly at every the zone show when they first launched um Akinbaran or or something. Yeah, like Ak- yeah, Ak- Barak, it, uh, I, think, I think the XM guys now, yeah. Yeah, and like they had their, yeah, and they freaking had Lomachenko on like weeks after the zone launch. That doesn't, you know, say no one, you know, and I thought it was really cool because just because you're with one side, that doesn't mean you automatically root for all sides to fail. And I think that's something people don't understand in 2019 as, a, as we are approaching 2020. Yeah, and it's funny because people would really do have that weird slant where it's like it's 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 a strange like us versus everybody mentality, which really doesn't honestly for me in boxing, Carlos. It just for me never really made sense or worked. Like even in the heyday of like the '80s, where it was on like ABC, like. 
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Like, you know, Saturday afternoons, you know, I, I, I was a kid when this happened. I, I, I'm not that old. But still, like, even in those days where it's like it was, it was, there were still options where it's like, granted, those options were either Bob or, or, or Don King. I mean, but at least you had those two options. Now people are acting like it's like, well, if you don't like this, then you must be a part of that. And it's like, no, it's not necessarily. I mean, there's, there's for me, Carlos is just way too much boxing to be to be too biased or too slanted on one of it. Dad is just too much of it being either good or very bad. Because let's be honest, no matter what, no matter what promotional outlet you are, bad boxing is all around it. No matter which one it is. So it means it's like, eh, you just gotta take it what it's what it's worth. But I am looking forward to with just with some of this media coverage because I didn't realize that the zone tried to buy FIFO. That's pretty intriguing. Only because I didn't realize that where's all just the zone money coming from at this point? Because I thought they were trying to like hedge fund and. For as much money as the zone supposedly has to do all of this stuff, Carlos, how come they can't fix their Golden Boy podcast broadcast? Like, so some of these shows on Golden Boy have been brutal. And, and, they're, and they're syndicated. And it's like, and they're on Facebook. And it's just as bad on Facebook as it's on the actual streaming service. And it's like, what are we doing here? But maybe they'll fix that in 2020. But I'm always intrigued with the zone. Like, I really hope that the zone actually does increase their viewership. I know they had the numbers out this week for Joshua Louise. I think you may have seen it from Coppinger, the, the tweet saying that, uh, 1.8 million over nine markets. I would really love to see the breakdown of said nine markets, mainly because those out of those nine markets, as you know, Carlos, one of them isn't Britain because it was on Sky Sports pay-per-view, so they're already out of it. It wasn't Mexico, which was TV Azteca and uh, Canal 7, I want to say, had to fight for free there. So I'm always intrigued on in what these other seven markets were outside of the United States. You ever eight markets outside of the United States and Canada, so I meant seven. So um, I, I really would like the actual breakdown of those numbers. But, of course, with the zone, they keep these numbers under lock and key. And the only two numbers I've ever heard all year round about the zone numbers is this one from Coppinger and the one apparently that there was $1.2 million for uh, Canelo Jacobs on Cinco de Mayo weekend. I have not heard anything else. I couldn't get – I'm was, still waiting yeah, for a number. It was it, – it was- <laughs> Yeah, it was a uh, 1.2 million globally, and they said, I believe we said 600 for Canelo Jacobs. So they, so 600,000. That's the number I always kind of operated on from that point onward. 600,000 U.S. subscribers. Yeah. And it, it, remember, if I remember correctly, Coppinger said like what? Two, um, actually, I don't know if Coppinger said this, but I heard rumors, unsubstantiated rumors, that it was somewhere like. You know, they ultimately gained like 200,000 subscribers in the U.S. or something like that. So but the number I'm kind of thinking is they're close to a million. The only time in, and I've said this multiple times, if, we're, if we don't hear anything from the zone regarding an official U.S. number, assume that it hasn't broken a million. Get that? Number because that's like uh like a really nice looking number one million subscribers in let in less than eighteen months operating in the United States with only using boxing as like your sport and and it kind of looks to me like it hasn't gotten to that point quite yet maybe it's like somewhere between nine eight fifty or nine hundred fifty thousand but I feel like if we if it did get to a million U.S. subscribers I feel like we would have heard something about it. By this point, or I don't know, maybe they're saving it before the end of the year, but I don't understand why you wouldn't celebrate how many people looked at your num- uh, looked at the fights if it wasn't a high number. That's my thing too, and I think honestly, I think I think me and the same boat was just I think it is about 800, 850,000 like subscribers subscriber base per se, and I think the number would have been higher had you been able to actually with this the, this fight this past weekend, the biggest heavyweight fight of the weekend, uh, Carlos, and a lot of places like. Sports bars like did not most sports bars that I know don't carry the zone. It's one of the most staples in like any sports bar. Like, hey, you, you you know you have cable, you have direct TV, dish, whatever have you. Have them subscribe to the freaking app, and then that would that would increase viewership. It's just that simple. You know, hey, they have to, they have to fight on here. Like to give you an example, because you know I'm here in Tampa. I went actually I went out looking for the fight for Josh Louise because I because I'll just see see who's going to carry the fight. The uh, local wing chains didn't have it here. Like, all the big three, you know, the Buffalo Wild Wings, the uh, the Hooters, the, the Wing House. So, 
pretty much if you didn't go to like a mom and pop bar that had a smart TV that had the app on it already, like you kind of weren't watching this fight out in the open, which to me is mind boggling considering that, you know, if they want to make this much money off this off the service, just put it in sports bars. It's it's really I'm no business major, but that's kind of this ground point of what they're looking for. I'm guessing they're waiting for that million dollars, that million dollar thing with the million dollar viewers already already at home. That way they can say like, hey. It's already in a million homes already. Let's put it at XYZ chain restaurant. I'm guessing that's part of the, the sales presentation to roll out the money, I guess. But it, to me, it's just kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think they if it, if it got to a million, we would have heard it officially by now. But That too. Uh, speaking of a million people, um, I we got this top rank card better. And I do think this is going to be top ranks you know, highest rated show of 2019, you know, on ESPN, you know, and that can mean whatever you wanted it to mean. I think it's going to, and I think it's one of those shows like they've done for the past couple of uh, top ranked shows at MSG on December. There's going to, I think it's going to eclipse a million viewers that they have, you know, the last two. And this, you know, this main event, Crawford versus Cap- uh, Mean Machine Cavaliowskis. And b- before we went in the air, we already went on this like five minute thing trying to pronounce Mean Machine Cavaliowskis' uh, name. And just going to say this for the listeners that's how I'm going to say it. I'm either going to name him uh, Mean Machine or Cavaliowskis. I don't know about you, Marquise, but I'm just going to stick to that name. You know what? I'm going to ride and die with this. Eugenis Kavalaskis. I know the last name is right. If the first name is wrong, someone will call me out on it. It's, the, it's 2019. It's the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> but you know what? This, is, this main event, I don't want to say like it's a bad main event. It, I, I, because I think Kavalaskis is a good fighter. I think he's a solid yeah. His stock definitely went down significantly this Ray year. Robinson. Especially with the Ray Robinson draw. Yeah, Ray Robinson absolutely, Carlos, destroyed this fight, honestly. Because I think this fight, had Kavalaskis dropped uh, Ray Robinson back in Philly earlier in the year, this would have been a bigger deal. This would have been a bigger main event. And this would have been, it's the one problem that Top Ring has. And they've been, that's why you, you see Crawford, as you know, going all over the place, literally, like for the last two years, pretty much yelling at anyone from PBC to come fight me because they won't, they won't take, a, take, take a stab at it. It's because essentially with, P, with Top Rank in the, in the 147, they really don't have any options. I really. Mean Machine is the best thing they had going on, and and this was kind of on. Let's be honest, Carlos. This this fight was literally on standby. They could they could have made this fight for Crawford yesterday, May after Con during August, but they were trying to find someone else. In the meantime, they they couldn't find anybody for the man. So because I remember talking to Bob back in May before the uh, the Herring Edo card down here in Kissimmee, and he's he was he mentioned he rattled off five names, and one obviously he mentioned Spence because that's been his his. Price pony until all, all, all things considered, the, his, his main goal for Crawford. But the number five that, that fell through was Kel Brook, was the name that was mentioned as well before Kavalosis was made final. And Kel Brook was, would, would have been interesting, but unfortunately, with top rank, as you know, they, 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 their budgeting was kind of like at the end of it at that point, which is why a lot of these guys have been facing their mandatories at the end of the year, as opposed to actually having different opponents like from other organizations. So they pretty much were saddled with that. It's kind of the reason why uh, Jamil Herring had to face Lamont Roach as opposed to actually going after somebody else, uh, and, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it sucks that Crawford is stuck with Kavalaskis. Hopefully this next go-run for 2020, they find somebody else for him, either on the other side of the street, as Crawford calls it, or they just have, they open up the wall to find somebody else. But the big thing that Aram mentioned with Crawford in the event that that doesn't happen because the next biggest WBO uh, prospect that i've seen on that list i think danny garcia is three that's pbc that's that he's garcia's already laughed that off on several occasions one guy on mtk global is ranked six and michael mckinson from one of the, one of their stables and he's a uh, to give you an idea of how how not good that really is carlos is he's 17 and oh he's undefeated he has two knockouts one was a guy and then one was the guy had to had to stop because his in, his shoulder was injured and it was a tko and, and that's the sixth rank, and that's probably like stuff along the lines of like the next man up for Crawford down the list of like WBO opponents. I mean, you also have uh, Amir Aman coming up the chain as well because now he's he, he, at, he, at, at some point now he's at 147, but they really don't have anybody for Crawford. So with Arm, his plan, I'm guessing, if this doesn't happen, he's going to have to wait for either someone like a Progress or a Taylor to move up. And then you try to make a catch weight and go from there because they don't have. I, I don't know what this what the, the game plan is for Crawford at 147 as long as it's still with copper rank. 
Yeah, and I'm also look. I'm looking at the WBO rankings. It's like you got you got Jesse Vargas who who hasn't fought at welterweight in God knows how long. Yeah, he, he, Danny Vargas, Sergey Lipin, yes, they're on PBC. Virgil Ortiz is, is Golden Boy. I He's mean, not ready. That, Mikey Garcia is. They're not gonna put him there. And not like, perfect. like the the only interesting name. The one interesting name on I'm looking at the top fifteen. Actually, there are two, uh-huh. but I think one is okay. more ready than the other. Is David Avenision, okay. who I think is who I think is borderline top ten uh, welterweight, and he has been on this unbelievable roll, uh, stopping Kerman Leharaga twice, and then uh, as of this recording a few hours ago, just thrashed Jose Del Rio in Spain. That's so, and, and listen, he has the resume, and he's on this great win streak and great knockout streak. He's a guy that you can definitely put in front of uh, Crawford, and I think it's going to be a good fight. And then you also got Jerron Boots Ennis, who I think is this phenomenal welterweight Ooh. prospect. I don't, and he's ranked number 15 by the WBO. I think that'd be a good fight, but I don't know. But I feel like they, they kind of want to make Boots Ennis into a bigger star or at least someone more well-known in 2020 before um, he gets put in a world title fight situation or at least against like a top 15, top 20 guy. But I think Jerron Ennis is a really, really good guy. And who knows? That could be That could be a good fight for Crawford down the road. You know what? Boots Ennis is intriguing, actually. I, I do like his style, and his style matches up with Crawford in terms of fight plans. It, yeah, it's really weird what, like, they don't have anybody WBO-wise, like, just down the list. It's like, you mentioned, like, the names that you just mentioned are just essentially just names that just dare because they haven't found a way to get rid of them off the list yet. I don't know what's... <laughs> like, the fact that Mikey Garcia is still under, it, to me, is always going to be intriguing, where it's like, I don't even think Mikey Garcia is fighting again at welterweight if, if he... if. If I was Garcia, I wouldn't, but I, I know Pacquiao is the name you keep hearing over and over again. I mean, obviously, if you can't fight Canelo, and, but you can fight Pacquiao, I mean, it is what it is with that. So they're, 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 they're always going to chase that golden goose, but it's like, man, like, but yeah, I think Boots is maybe down the line. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's going to happen in 2020, though, but man, that would be intriguing, actually. But it, it, it's but it's a but this is amazing of how little that they have for Crawford. So they're gonna have to find someone on the other side at some point for the face. Maybe they'll open up the budget at that point. Hopefully we'll get somebody else. Maybe, uh, maybe we may get that Kell Brook fight. I know Kell Brook was talking about. Well, they were talking about facing Amir Khan, which we all should have seen about a decade ago. But maybe they'll face it. Maybe he'll fake Crawford in 2020 and they'll continue on. But the other thing with Crawford on this card, the fact that he's facing uh, Mean Machine, is that. Is New York uh, the new spot for Crawford coming from Omaha for, in terms of fights? Because this will be his second fight there in a row. This this come come like his new uh, Barclays Center per se. Yeah, I, I, in a way, I mean Crawford's fought there even when he was even when top rank and Bob Barron was with HBO. I mean they they it's yeah, MSG has always kind of been like Crawford's home away from home. But even then, it just kind of tells you that like. Uh, looking at the ticket sales, they're not great. At least if you look at the secondary market, it's not great. And, you know, Kavliaskis is just not a great dance party when you're trying to sell a fight. And it's not, you know, and you, and you could say that with any of the other welterweight champions. It'd be a hard sell, you know, if you're trying to put Spence as this pay-per-view star. You really think putting Kavliaskis as your B-side uh, a good idea? The same could be said with Crawford and you're trying to sell an MSG, and he's sell out G in the past. But it always, but Crawford for me, it always been he needed a good dance partner or at least a reputable B side to sort of sell a, a Crawford fight because we all know Crawford is fantastic. You know, he's arguably yeah. the best welterweight in the world. His, you know, his career and accomplishments more than speak for itself. Undisputed junior welterweight champion, former unified lightweight champion. But, I mean, when you talk about Crawford's run at 147, in a way it's not his fault because, you know, in regards, you know, you, you're dealing with the hand that you're given. Yeah. But, you know, Jeff Horn, Jose Benavides, who's not even the best Benavides yeah. in, in his own family, and now Kalyowskis, <laughs> who's stuck couldn't it hasn't been this low in years it just and this whole talk about like you know crawford 
his accomplishments and his run of 147 and, you know, how he stacks up against Spence, it's hard to really get too excited about Crawford's fights when you have the rest of the divisions only basically with PBC. Yeah, PBC kind of has 147 essentially a, a stranglehold at this point, and then I don't know if there's a bizarre, bizarre ultimatum or like a like a like a big poster on the back of the book, like the wall or whatever you sign with with uh, Al Heyman and whatnot to like not mention Crawford by name or acknowledge the man, because it's it's only Crawford they do this with. Like they don't do this really with any other top ranked fighters with PBC. That's that's the funny thing about this, where it's like I don't know what Crawford did to these folks to have them like blacklisted, but they, it's it's this bizarre blacklisting thing with him with with the, with the rest of the welterweights, and it's only intriguing because the rest of the welterweights at at, at with PBC are going to fight face each other in some capacity in 2020, where it's like it's going to be we're, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to have the same conversation, Carlos, with Terrence Crawford one way or another in 2020 about Terrence Crawford, with or without him facing any of these PBC guys. I think the one name they mentioned at one point, I want to say it was recently, was I think Sean Porter said he would be down for a fight, but I mean they're friends, and I think they. I don't know that, that 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 whole friend thing to me is it's a bizarre angle where I always hear this thing like with boxers where it's like hey this guy's my friend like I think I heard uh, Emmanuel Navarrete say like his like he has his friend was in the ring with him last Saturday with Francisco Horta and he dropped him in four rounds so was I think it was four or six and it's like you always hear that whole friending was like well how how friendly are you I mean and we're all friends till the until the bell rings right so yeah. I, <laughs> I always, I always laugh at that angle, but I, I always think, as you know, it, money talks. I'm, I, I'm, I just remember hearing Danny Garcia, you know, joke about like, hey, the, t- the conversations weren't ever there. Where it's like, if the conversations weren't there before, maybe they're there now and they're just not answering. Because they claim that they, one way or another, depending on who you ask with top rank, they said that the calls were being made over the summer this year, but they weren't answering the phones. And you can you can, you can understand why, because they had the, the I think the fight was, was to be made for because Crawford was trying to make the fight with Spence. I mean, Air, I mean, was trying to make this fight for Crawford Spence at some point for this fall. And, it, and I think what happened was Fox came by and said, hey, we can make we, we can put Spence forward on pay-per-view. And that's kind of what happened. And they, they figured they can just deal with it in-house. So until they run out of those pay-per-views uh, to run on Fox, and unfortunately, as you know, they aren't, because I think they're going to run like four or five more this next year. I mean, get your wallet ready. If you're, if you're still paying for boxing pay-per-views in 2019, 2020. Uh, if you're not, I mean, I don't, I don't know you legally. So, <laughs> not here to endorse any of that, but it's it's, it's intriguing what, what PBC is going to do just with this whole. That's what makes this this whole thing with Wilder Fury and how they're going to get the, how to go, how how these two sides are going to come together on this. If that's if that's going to be the blueprint for any future fights with PBC and Pop Top Rank to come together on, because if this pay per view sales look like I think we all it's going to, I don't know. If, I, I keep, you know, they always keep throwing out fantasy numbers with these like these pay per view buys where it's like I, I know people I know boxing still thrives and is a clutch for this pay per view model for one reason or another. I I, I personally think it's uh, it's obsolete as using a library card with the whole Dewey Decimal system, but I mean it's still going to be around and it's not going anywhere for at least another five to six years. But the one thing that intrigues me about that is, is that if, if, if those two sides come together on this and there's enough money all around for both these guys, and it's going to have to be a lot of money because it's, it's a heavyweight fight and it's a rematch. I, I'm really hoping that it will op- at least it will even open the conversation doors for it to come around again. That's that's all I could ask for. If, they, if, it, if, it, if it starts the conversation of, of probably a Spence, whoever, a Crawford, whoever on PBC, I'm, I'm all for it. I don't know who. Personally, if it's anyone from PBC, I don't care who it can be. From for all I for all I can care, Garcia, Carlos, it can be uh, Crawford versus Furman whenever Furman gets back. I'm 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 down for that. Whatever, have it. Just just as long as it's someone on the other side of the fence. I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, same here. Uh, but overall, I think this fight would come gonna be an an okay fight. Uh, I don't see anything too spectacular. I say Crawford stops him late. I think Crawford. I think Cavaliers is gonna give him maybe a couple of rounds. A, a, a trouble, but you know Crawford is such is so good at finishing his opponents. It's its ability to switch stances on the fly is unbelievable. It's in my opinion the best in boxing right now. But I, I think Crawford stops him late. I think Crawford stops him probably like mid seven eighth round. The one thing that Kavalaskis had a problem with Robinson, and I will admit it was a draw. It was a bad draw. But the one thing with Robinson that I've realized over the years is that draw, Robinson's stance in his style it makes for awkward fights. That's that's why he's been having draws all year long. So, and the one thing that gave him trouble was his stance. And Crawford switching stance is going to be an issue for Kavalaskis. I hope. I just hope it's a little more competitive than what I think it is. But I don't. 
I, I see I see Cavaliers is you know coming out early like in the second round maybe me stealing a round or two at most and then from there it's going to be the Terrence Crawford show. Yeah, but you know what? What is going to be competitive, at least in my opinion, most of this undercard because this undercard. Yes. We spoke about this before before we went on the air. This undercard is fantastic. I mean, you got Richard Comey versus Teofimo Lopez. You got uh-huh. Michael Collins versus Vladimir Nikitin, which has been you know my. I, th- I would think that this is like one of the best uh, built uh, storylines and feuds in years. And yes. then the undercard, you got Edgar Berlanga, who is this unbelievable, like dynamite for prospect. And if you haven't seen Berlanga, watch it. You will literally need maybe 20 minutes at the most to watch all 12 of his fights because he ends opponents that quickly. And you got guys, you got probably the most interesting fight on the ESPN Plus undercard, George Cambosos Jr. versus Mickey Bay. This yeah. is, the, the, there's so many great fights on this undercard. So kind of let's go from like top to bottom. Comey versus Lopez for the IBF lightweight title. This yes. is a really good fight. It, 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 I think it's a phenomenal fight. I think a lot of people are really selling Lopez short because of the way he performed his last time out against Masayoshi Nakatani. Nakatani, yeah. And it's, you know, I, I I don't think people realize, sure, he didn't finish Nakatani. He didn't have the spectacular Naga released or the fight was great. He still dominated virtually the entire fight. And I think that, to me, tells says a lot more about his progression than say you know go up and then say knocking out the Diego Magdaleno, the Mason Menards of the world because we know this kid's got tremendous power, but I wanted to see how he reacts fighting in the eighth, ninth, tenth round, which we hadn't been able to see prior to the Nakatani fight, and he did, and he, and I think he came out just fine. Was this the best Teofimo Lopez's performance? Absolutely not, but I think going twelve rounds against a savvy crafty fighter like Nakatani is gonna did a lot for his career. And I think it's gonna show in this fight against Komei. I think so too. I, I I like this fight a lot, just for so many levels. Yeah, with, with Lopez facing Nakatani, the, granted the the fight with Nakatani that that the one issue that I had with it more than anything else with it was the fact that Nakatani was able to just hang in there. But that's just the way Nakatani fights. It's just he he just hangs in there and he he doesn't fall. It, it it made for it made for Lopez a challenge, which he hadn't had. I mean, before that he was fighting on the uh, the Con Crawford card. I mean, he, he was fighting the, the guy who was on the you know European Dance with the Stars. I mean, you know, not 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 the toughest of competition. So I, I'm I'm glad for that. I mean, he's going to learn from that. He's going to be better for it, but. Kami's a tough out. I, I think people honestly are also sell, selling Kami short with this, mainly because they're propping up Telefino Lopez and the Fortnite dances. Kami coming from Ghana, being the you know the, the champ, wants this champ. Like everyone else, as we know, the winner of this fight faces up. Uh, hopefully, well, it, not, it's not hopefully it's going to happen. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko, which is the whole the whole end game of this fight. And I, I, I just really like this fight way too much than I expected. I really think it's going to be tough. I, my thing with Kami that I wonder is that. Can Kami avoid the trouble that he ran into with Beltran when Beltran got to him on the inside? That was the one thing I realized when I was watching this fight back. To keep, to keep an eye out for this weekend. That was the issue I had with Kami on that one. But outside of that, he kind of controlled that fight too. I mean, that there was some, some questionable refereeing in that fight too. That fight could have been stopped in about three rounds, but they, he let it go. And that's, that's, when, he, that's, when, that's when Beltran made a, some, a, a late a mid-round surge. But... No, I'm really looking forward to this fight, Carlos, with this one. But this, honestly, if it wasn't fact that there was Terrence Crawford on this card, this obviously is the main event. I mean, I think everyone around boxing, media, and social will tell you that this is the, the fight to watch this weekend, out, up and without a question, up and down. Yeah, I, I, I'm still like I, I for a long time I've been, you know, I think Teofimo Lopez wins this fight against Comey. I, I, I think Lopez is gonna win a very, very close decision. But if you, if anyone can convince me of Comey winning. You know, go ahead. And I think, and listen, I wouldn't be shocked or surprised one bit if Comey comes out on top. This is a re- it's a very close fight. And I think a lot of the intrigue is seeing how Comey reacts to fighting against a, you know, a, a, not just a champion, but champion who's been in there with a lot of tough fighters and a lot of tough situations throughout the last few years. I think Comey, I think Lopez wins this one very close decision, but... I, I overall think this is going to be a fantastic fight. 
Oh yeah, so do I. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go against the grain on this one. I, I think I'm, I'm maybe because I'm in the camp of Kami on this, but only because I'm not sure of what version of Lopez we're going to get. Maybe we're going to get the one that's just going to uh, struggle against Nakatani because if we're getting that version, we're, I'm, I'm going with Kami on points. If if not, then I can see it going be. I can be. I can see it being a split. That, that's fair. That's fair. That's also really important to notice. If we get the Lopez that went up against Nakatani, I think Kome is going to win. Yeah. But I'm going to be a little more optimistic and and say we're going to see the Lopez that more resembles the one that beat uh, that beat the lights out of Ida Tatli, Diego Magdaleno, etc., etc., etc. I'm being a little more optimistic. I'll admit I am kind of banking a little bit on the unknown. Gotcha. No, that's fair. I can I can see that too. But no, it's, no, it's really going to be a good fight on this. It's it, it's really intriguing that I wish that they had more publicity for this fight to lead into the main event as opposed to vice versa. But I understand this is the way they promote these things on Pop Rank. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's opening bout of the ESP uh, or at least of the main card. It's uh, Michael Conlon versus Vladimir. Nick- uh, you know, every which way you look at this, and it's. I love the the background, the backstory behind this fight. I think it's in, in terms of, you know, looking at the fight, you know, at, at the build of the fight. I think this may be the best built fight of 2019 just because of all the history these two share. Not even going back to the Olympics, but going even further beyond that in the amateurs, those two really don't like each other and their history are going to be forever linked to that controversial Olympic win for Nikitin. But I'm looking at this fight as, you know, this is going to be Michael Conlon's first, well, not not first, but it's going to be a real test to see whether or not this guy is going to be able to show that he's truly a, a world title contender because we know he can box i mean you yeah. and i have seen him multiple times the kid, the kid's a phenomenal boxer but when you go out and you're given all this praise and then you kind of put on these you know let's be honest they've been kind of mad perform boring performances yeah. i mean like you make so much about him being such a draw to the irish he's basically our hero and then you kind of put out you go in and you beat guys like Ruben Garcia and Nandes and Jason Cunningham and like you go the distance with those guys and it's like it's hard for me to really get excited when you, we just spent the last year watching another top ranked featherweight prospect and Shakur Stevenson perform much better and win a world title. Meanwhile, it kind of looks like Conlon's been in the same position development-wise you know, for the last year, yeah, at least the last so. two, these last two years, yeah. And it, it, with Colin, with his, it's interesting with this fight actually, because I, I think they're trying to get this fight out the way because this fight honestly should have happened earlier in this year, but Nikita got hurt with his shoulder. So I'm, yeah. I'm really intrigued on what version of Nikita we're going to get with this, because I, honestly, as we may have guessed, I think Colin's going to steal this. Colin should be ready and, and should stop this fight with Nikita or, or personally early to, and, and get his revenge on this. But I'm really intrigued on what version of Khan we're going to get because honestly, I don't think Nakifim was ready for this. But they, they had to, you, you can only delay the 2016, uh, you know, rematch for so long. I mean, at this point, the next year's the next 2020 Olympics. So you, you got to get this fight out the way. I get that part of it. And that's why the build's been so good for this. The one thing with Colin where it's like, yeah, his performances honestly have not been that amazing. Like the one like, like on St. Patrick's Day with the. With the, where he went to distance with Hernandez, and what usually, you know, no shows really weren't that int- intriguing. Where it's like, you just wonder what version of Colin is he, if he's really ready for this yet? Is he, is he ready to go? And I'm really wondering because the last fight I saw him on was the, the, uh, the MTK Global show where he, he headlined at Belfast, where he faced a guy in a Diego, I want to say it was Diego, Diego, Diego Ruiz, who was actually undersized. So we'll see how that works when actually facing the actual weight class of competition as opposed to just, you know, Whoever they can fly over to to, to Ireland for, to, for you to knock out. So um, we'll see what version of Colin we get with this. Um, it's going to be interesting, mainly because I want to see how he how how what changes for Conlon in terms of this rematch. Because I don't think Nikita should win this, but I've seen crazier upsets, and that would be another one if it happens again to him. Actually. Oh yeah, and look, and we know that Nikita certainly has, you know, Conlon's number on another in the Olympics, but in the pro game, Conlon's got literally four times as much experience, and he's already put in a position where he, you know, Conlon really, you know, I, I don't really like to emphasize prospects 
you know, needing to knock out guys, especially who are three and zero. But yeah. this is a fight that he has to he has to beat um, Vladimir Nikitin in just absolutely in an impressive fashion. I'm talking like a highlight reel knockout. He has to dominate because the his overall stock has been flat for the whole year, and he's and he's the, I think he's the number one contender to the WBO title. And it's like you look at how he's performed this year, and you, you tell me, is this really the guy that's gonna give? Shakur Stevenson problems or Josh Warrington any issues? No, not at all. Yeah, that, that's why he has to do something like spectacular on this fight. And I'm really intrigued if he's going to be able to do that with this. But yeah, you mentioned with Shakur Stevenson. It, it's funny because like you see how he's doing on on, on the, now that he's a champion and he's going to and he he's more like he's going to be he's going to be a problem at 126 as long as he has that belt personally. And I just wonder if there's anything for any of these other guys that can keep up with him, either in-house or out. So, but Colin has a chance to, to prove it, to, to shut me up, actually, personally, and to prove me wrong on that as well. But I'm looking forward to it because I, I do love revenge matches, whether it be amateurs, whether it be, you know, Olympics or pro. I'm a big fan of these rematch fights because you, you – you learn kind of like uh, Gavazic better be if that was a rematch fight from the Olympics as well, where it's like you, you always learn something different from the guy the next go around. So I'm always intrigued on these things. Yeah, I, I think Conlon wins this one. I think he stops in maybe sixth, seventh round. I, overall, I just think that when it comes to the pro games, it's a little different, and Keating just doesn't have the experience that you know that come with fighting in twelve fights like Conlon has. He's only fought three. And he's not one of these guys, he's not one of these prospects where he's like ready for 12 rounds, three, four, five, six in. He's not a Lomachenko. And Conlon, I think Conlon's experience and the need for him to get a spectacular knockout, I think that's going to be the difference maker in this fight. It will be. And I, you know what? I, give me Conlon in nine. I think it's, I, I think he's going to struggle probably like the first two rounds and then he'll change up and, and probably probably sell the score with this one but i think colin and nine I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with that that's her man we man we have gone an hour already over an <laughs> hour talking about this um man i would love to just like spend like three four hours uh, just talking to you about boxing i've really really enjoyed this conversation and listen now before we head out tell the people where they can find you Absolutely, Carlos. Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Weak Sauce Radio. How all it sounds, all one word. The t- the sauce is weak, but the boxing is strong. Weak Sauce Radio is the, is the Twitter handle. I'm always on there talking boxing. Usually looking at other people, looking at other people talk random things about boxing that I don't understand, and trying to translate and try to explain to everybody else. Always to, usually fight watching as well for the most part. I'm there. Also, I write a couple of stories or two at BigFightWeekend.com. That's my website. If you can't find it, just Google Big Fight Weekend. Trust me, it's there. And I I pretty much keep an eye on that with with news and whatnot with boxing. Pretty much keeping an eye on what what people are saying. Really really a big fan, honestly, Carlos, of of mainly these heavyweight fights at some point because that's going to shape pretty much the boxing landscape, not only just for media, just in general for boxing as a whole in 2020. So I'm keeping an eye on that. Looking forward to maybe maybe a bigger match or two, but definitely you can find me there as well. But mainly on Twitter at, at Weak Sauce Radio is where you can find me. Awesome. And again, Marquise Johns, thanks so much for taking time to talk to me. This has been a very, very fun podcast. And for those of you listening, you can head on over to Fightful.com for all the latest news in pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. And until then, everybody have a good weekend of fights. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.